Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is Men in Black still relevant? We wrap up B3 and isn't it good to be Keanu Reeves right about now? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our Keanu Reeves of Humanica Media. You gotta check out everything that's going on today with HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Like I said before, it's truly great to be Keanu Reeves right about now. Yeah, he he's honest. Like, there's a lot of good stuff coming out in the media about him, and he's. I don't know, he just he seems like a good dude, you know, and just watching him come out at E3 and say, talk about cyberpunk, how he's a character in cyberpunk. And even the, the guy on, on the audience that goes, you're breathtaking. And then he steps back, you're breathtaking. Like he just he seems like someone that you would want to just sit down and have a beer with, you know, like. It's, and then the Internet picked up on the fact that he's conveniently taking pictures with women, but not touching the women. Yeah. And in 2019, PC Correct America that we live in. That is just truly awesome. The the girls are going crazy for him. So, well, there's a story I was reading. um, What's her name? Viola Davis, the girl from from Ma. She said that her car broke down one time and somebody pulled over. This is before she was an actress. Someone pulled over to help her and it was Keanu Reeves. He was on a motorcycle and he pulled over and he helped her out. And like she, she, everyone has only good things to, to say about him. And that's amazing. Like that's the, that's an awesome legacy to leave. I feel like this is 1997, man. Don't you? Taking the blue pill? No, this is before taking the blue pill. I mean, this was when he was hot with Speed and and some other projects that he was doing. Even Point before Franklin. The Matrix, he actually was kind of a little bit going down a little bit by the end of the decade. And right around the turn of the century, when he did in 1999, he did The Matrix he was uh, actually got that as a career boost and a mega boost from that. So he's got, you know, he's been up, then he went down a little bit, and then he went up again with the Matrix, and then he went down again with the Matrix sequels. 
And now he's back riding high. It started like a slow burn with the success of the John Wick movies. And look at him now. I mean, in the past month, it has been John Wick. It has been just truly amazing to see where he's going. I mean, Bill and Ted's coming out next year. I, that's only going to help his cause and help that movie succeed even more. So it's it's great that Bill and Ted 3 is finally happening. People have been talking about that for a really long time. And, and I love like... I love how they they're just older versions of themselves and I see all the pictures and interviews with them and they're like there are the chemistry the screen chemistry is still there like they you know like they're they're still best buds and I'm I would hope that with this new one coming out that it would reignite this joy of the old one so like you know modern fans would go out and say hey what's Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and you know they go back there and check out you know the movie and so crates and stuff like that and uh <laughs> uh but yeah, man, it's it's a good time to be Keanu Reeves. He's, uh, and I, I'm curious, do you think they're going to cast him in the this new Matrix that's coming out? I hear rumors that that could be the case. But let me ask you this, my friend. You stated that they're good friends, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, still in good life. And they have been in good friends for a long, long time. You know, since they've done the movies, they've stayed in touch. They've stayed good friends. And in fact, Alex Winter directed a short with Paul Rudd and the late Stephen Hawking's, it was like a, a, a super, you know, like a supernatural game of chess type deal. And who does an extra voice in it? None other than Keanu Reeves. He actually plays a pivotal role in setting the whole match up via his cell phone. And it was actually very cool if you got a chance to see it. But I will tell you this, my friend, it, it, it's just so great to be Keanu Reeves right now because he, there's universal love for him. And it only just sets the, the mode well for down the line for not only in 2020 when Cyberpunk 2077 hits, but also coming up later when the John Wick Hex game, that is coming out very soon. That's not kind of a tactical strategy type game a little bit, but still within the John Wick realm, that's going to get major buzz now, something that might have not even gotten any attention at all. I know he's called the Fortnite guy a lot because a lot of people that don't know him from anything else know him as the John Wick character that appeared in Fortnite recently. So there is so much goodwill for him. And you know what, my friend? We may miss this next year. So I'm going to say this now because you know me at my advanced age, I'll probably forget. But you know when Bill and Ted 3 comes out next year and a lot of people are going to be seeing it, and if it is successful – you got to realize that most of the people that are watching it have not even seen the first two entries in the film. Mind you, I'm sure some are either on broadcast or streaming. They'll, they'll manage to go ahead and sneak out the first two adventures in there. But I'm going to tell you right now, most people, when they go to theaters, will not have any clue or really any idea about Bill and Ted's other than, you know, air guitar and all that. Just And it's waving their heads and all that. But then outside of that, they won't actually understand why Bill and Ted's was so cool in the first place, but they'll we'll just go ahead and say, you know what? Keanu Reeves is just doing, I don't want to say he's walking on proverbial entertainment water right now, but he sure is doing really good right now. And it's good to see this is probably what his third career renaissance right now going forward. And right now he is a hot commodity and good for him because he seems like a really good dude. He's never really been known to do anything controversial and he's 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 helping people like that he's going out of his way and it's weird because we're living in this time where celebrities go on 
social media or whatever, and they're known for being shallow or being controversial or they're doing something that, you know, like my friend Gerald here, but they're known for doing things that elicit controversy or they're complaining about how people need to be better to each other. Yet behind the scenes, they are like the most shallow, you know, they're more shallow than a kiddie pool. But Keanu Reeves, on the other hand, is just a good dude. You only ever see him being kind to people when he's in the media. Like he takes pictures of people, doesn't touch them. He takes pictures with them um, or he's helping people. He's pulling over like Viola Davis to help her with her car. It's just you you don't see him. He is the embodiment of of what we should all be. And, you know, I'm not just saying that because he's a you know, we're, we're chatting about him right now, but like. If there is somebody that kids should look up to in Hollywood, it's Keanu Reeves, somebody like him, at least. Absolutely. I mean, all props to him. All kidding aside, you know, he is not your average, I guess, like you said, shallow entertainer that is out there that won't give the regular average person the time of day. He has been very gracious with not only the public, not only the press, the media, the whole entire nine yards. He's been just truly out there in the past month, month and a half now, and it just really been very gracious. And uh, you know what? A lot of people are really digging it. And he is, uh, again, like I said before, a hot commodity. And it's good to see because, again, he is just right now seemingly on fire. And that's great for someone who is very much liked, very much appreciated. And you know what? We're going to follow Keanu Reeves as far as the pop culture cosmos is concerned, wherever he's going to go. Could you see him in something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a role, or could you see him something like a DC? Or yeah, because that to me is the next step for someone like Keanu Reeves right now, who's such a hot commodity, who could pretty much write his ticket right now when it comes to any project he wants. Could you see him in something possibly within the realm of one of those universes? Because those are the you know the biggest probably platforms, the biggest platforms right now in as far as entertainment is concerned. Well, there's a lot of petitions going around right now trying to get him in the role of Namor, the Submariner. So I would be interested to see that happen for sure, because Namor is always like he's not a very, you know, and I hope Keanu doesn't take this the wrong way if he's, you know, listening to our show, which he probably isn't. But um, don't be he, negative, man. He, he's, he has a very he has a very specific style of acting, and it seems like and it, it's it seems like it would go perfect with Namor because Namor is not like um. You know, he's he's a very kind of one dimensional character, kind of like what John Wick is. And I think the, the two would go very well together. What are your thoughts, though? My thoughts, though, on it is if he is a Submariner, he has to play someone who's in shape all the time. And he's not a spring chicken anymore. He is actually, believe it or not. And if you ever saw my picture, you would kind of say, wow, that's really weird. He is actually older than me and is not, what, I think 53, 55? I don't think he's older than Tom Cruise, but I do think he's in that ballpark. So I'm right you now. It's, it's to me, if I wouldn't mind him playing that, but it's something that long term, do you really want him playing a 60 year old Namor uh, or Submariner at some point in time down and you know, possibly either an Avengers? Because if you bring Keanu Reeves in at this point in time for one role, for one picture, that doesn't make, to me, a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, in the comic books, Submariner's thousands of years old. So, I mean, I think that Yeah, would... but unfortunately, well, we as humans do not age 
quite that well. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Keanu Reeves is not going to die anytime soon, you know, knock on wood, but I don't think he's he's on his way out. He's signed on for more John Wick films and he's he's uh, he's got 10 it, you know, t- at least 10 years of good acting left in him. I think that as long as they I don't imagine Namor would be in more than five, you know, four or five movies. So I, I, I honestly, I think that it's a great, it's a great pick. Look at they just cast Angelina Jolie in Eternals, and what she's knocking on her sixties. So I mean, she's actually in her in her early forties, I think. And by the way, yes, Keanu is fifty four. Okay, hold on, Angelina Jolie age. Oh, she's forty four. Oh wow. Oh yeah, wow. How do you know? Old. That's impressive. Now that you've angered every Angelina Jolie fan, there. How old's Robert Downey Jr.? He's fifty. He is actually fifty five, I think. Okay. I mean, hey, man. I, I, my opinion, Keanu Reeves would make an excellent Namor, and I don't. Just, I'm just good. saying because you know you got to show the physique off. It's not like you can go ahead and hide it behind an iron suit or a or a suit like you can in John Wick. You well, know, I imagine that he's in decent shape. Be, it, because John Wick involves, they're not going to let him get be a fat John Wick. So I imagine he's he's in decent shape. And granted, I you know I don't know, I haven't seen any movies where he has his shirt off, but like he's already in shape. And I don't think the 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 exercise regiment to become more in shape is going to be physically demanding of him. At least not as much as it would be for you and I. I'll throw one out there. How about Keanu Reeves as a Silver Surfer? That would be good too, but I mean, it would he be in a suit? Would it be CG? How would that work? CG, uh, and all he does is the voice acting. Yeah, that'd be cool, but I think people actually want to see him in the MCU. I know that. I know that. I'm just trying to get find. I'm just trying to find a convenient out that would be best for all parties concerned. So, all right, all right, whatever, whatever. <laughs> it, you know, in the DC universe, how about that? How where would he go in the DC universe? Oh, jeez. Um into obscurity probably like all the other <laughs> very, very good very good very good all <laughs> right well i'll tell you what keanu reeves is riding high right now it's great to see because he seems like a really cool dude and we're very happy for him here at the pop culture cosmos and as more news comes out on keanu reeves you want to check out all the news on keanu reeves and everything when it comes to entertainment on our pop culture cosmos facebook page and of course pop culture cosmos on twitter and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about E3 and all the great things that Josh saw. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Men in Black. Is it still relevant? And I'm also going to throw out something there with Josh and it relates to something he saw at E3. And that is the burgeoning home arcade competition between Arcade 1UP and At Games. He had a chance to go ahead and check out both at E3 Plus, they both made some announcements in the recent past, so we'll talk about that and a little bit more coming up right here on the PCC Multiverse. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals whether it's that single-player campaign, Retro Classic, or Battle Royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband, or use the code BUY1GET1 
and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VitaBrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. VitaBrace, win with it. All right, and we're back with the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. You want to make sure and check us out each and every time we come up on the radio dial or as well on your favorite podcast app because we bring out at least two shows every single week that cover the latest and greatest news in pop culture. Plus, we're on several different radio stations and over 30 different podcast networks. My favorite is Bullhorn. Podcoin's another great one. There's also so many others as well, like Spotify, Podchaser, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. There's so many others that we're on. You want to check out a listing. If you need more information, you can do that today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So before we head on into E3 and all the stuff that you checked out there, give me the heads up, man, on what you guys are working on at Humanica Media. Editing E3 stuff. So the two things kind of go hand in hand. So uh, yeah, other than that, you can check out any, you know the latest episode of Topic Eclipse. I think there's another one coming out this week, but I'm not 100% sure. But keep following our Facebook page and you'll be up to date on everything i already put out a few uh e3 videos on the old youtube page uh you can check out some footage of forza horizons lego expansion supermarket shriek gears 5 and something else that i cannot currently remember but uh just keep following us and you'll know things as soon as we do that is again humanic media you can follow them today on facebook twitter instagram and youtube as well Well, my friend, it was E3. want to go ahead and wrap up E3 in a nice, tidy little bow with all the things that you saw at E3 while you were there on the convention floor along with Chad. I also know that Stereo Monroy, Jamie and Tony Monroy were also there. They were showing stuff off on the Game Source Facebook page, and they were having a great time getting selfies with all the big wigs and all the celebrities when it comes to the video gaming world. What were some of the major impressions and takeaways that you got during your time at E3 this year? E3 was interesting this year. It, it's kind of a, a, a skeleton of what it used to be. Like back in the day, there's screens everywhere. You can go, uh, Ubisoft had this big open area. PlayStation was there. We did find PlayStation. It showed up in the form of a blanket at a merch stand. So, you know, if you're interested in that. But no, there's just there's a lot less there. PlayStation was gone. A lot of the other de- smaller devs that were there were only what i mean outside of sega and nintendo and microsoft out in the theater there there are really not a lot of small devs there you know granted there was indicate was still there they're they're there every year but a lot of the area like out in the west hall where playstation used to be that's all it was all just empty now there's just a bunch of um couches and tv set up there and they had a live band out there but nobody's really watching them you know 2k had a pretty cool setup they had huge lines to play borderlands 3 and they had statues out there you could sit there and take pictures of them they're handing out the the psycho mass and things like that so that was cool but you know really there's just there there's hardly any merch stands there and it was even with just the press before noon you know it was cool it was all right you'd still line up to play games but like bethesda and ubisoft they were all boxed off and they were super stingy about letting people film things this year so i don't know man like i miss the days of e3 when it was it was big and it was epic you know and all the bigs were there and 
now it's just it's so if everything feels so confined this time Fortnite was there and they had their own thing going on that was pretty cool you could jump in they had this little uh inflatable thing that had a, a ring that moved around you jump you had to jump or duck like in fusion frenzy and that that was cool but it, it was mostly like there were more like energy drink booths set up than there were actual like video game stuff so it was it was really weird man and um it just makes me wonder like what do you think the future of e3 is going to be well i hope it's a good one but you're right it is some very tenuous times now that a lot of devs which would normally never even consider not being a part of e3 are now doing it because there's so many alternative shows are out there i think it's great where it is right there halfway through the year you still got half the year to go to make sure that your big announcements come and that the games are still on their way it's, it's just, to me it just makes more sense strategically for the video game industry where it is and it's a sad sign you're right that a lot of developers did not show up and i'm just sorry to see that happen but i'm hopeful with the new consoles coming out in 2020 from hopefully both sony and microsoft we got a confirmation on Microsoft, and we should have at some point in time this year a confirmation from Sony as well. And also, you've got Nintendo. They're going to have to ramp up even more with new consoles coming out, so you will have a, hopefully a lot better E3 coming in 2020. And I think that's what it comes down to. A lot of people were evaluating E3 2019, and in their evaluation said, you know what? It felt like people were waiting for next year at E3 2020. Yeah, that's a good point because we're at the the end of this console life cycle, right? So we're just seeing the the last bit of uh, first party content trickling out here. Maybe that's why Sony didn't show up. Maybe that's why this felt so small. Because even at the Xbox theater, we were still seeing, you know, they had Gears Five set up and a lot of indies, Ghost Recon stuff like that. But most of it was stuff that's already been out so maybe that's the case and i think we're also battling against internet culture right and how everyone wants to leak the next big thing so that they can be relevant and so we're finding microsoft and sony and nintendo constantly facing these leaks and that's why these big trailers get announced weeks before e3 right so i imagine something with like ubisoft's ghost recon there's probably somebody got a hold of information somewhere and they decided to do a press release of their own before the information could get leaked. Or even look at, like, sometimes these developers shoot themselves in the foot, too, because look at Square. They announced the Final Fantasy VII release date at their orchestral event. That's huge news. That could have been, like, a, a big surprise at, at their press conference, but they chose to release it before. So I don't know, maybe the, the fear of, of things getting leaked is causing these premature announcements or with like e3 too and i'm wondering with them letting the public in if that has anything to do with it because i heard you know listening to a lot of podcasts last year a lot of the people that go to e3 are saying that they don't want to go anymore because there's too many people there the lines are too long to get into anything and there's just you're constantly running into people and they you know they always have to stop and take pictures with people and you know that must be a nice problem to have i guess but uh, it's just it's the landscape has changed quite a bit because even when we got there in the morning, they didn't let the public in until around noon. But it it got so crowded so fast the moment they opened the door for the public who had the orange badges. And uh, it's just 
I'm wondering if people just don't like it anymore. Like, do the smaller devs, do they get anything out of being there anymore with so many people from the public or people who go in and, and do write-ups for some of these, these products? Do they even bother going to these booths anymore because there's so many people from the public out there? And I, I don't know, man. Like, I, it, it was crowded, but... Yeah, man, I don't it's just it's not the same E3 as it has been in the past because we went, what, three or four years ago and it was it was cool, man. It was there's a lot of really, really cool stuff out there. Nothing was really blocked off the way that it, it was this year. And uh, I don't know, man, like I, I don't see that these big developers, I don't see them doing GamesCon as much as I see them doing their own private events. You know how like Xbox had that thing out in Mexico PlayStation usually does a PlayStation experience, so I imagine we'll see that coming back. Nintendo does their directs, and it's not really a big issue for them just to throw one up as an E3 conference. The landscape's changing, man, and I'm, I hope to see them all come back to E3 because I, I still want to tune into the conferences, but you know, after this year, there's just some really, really poor showings, and I just it makes me fear what the future of this convention is going to be. Exactly. There is some concerns because, like you said... If her E3 2020 is a very similar picture than E3 2019, then E3 could be in some serious trouble going forward. It needs to shape up and shape up real quick with a new generation of consoles on the way. But again, there is so many alternative places where Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo can also go ahead and, and share their wares to the public out there. Tokyo Game Show, like you said, Paris Week, PlayStation Experience, the Xbox events, so much more that they're out there that you can go ahead and, and share this to the public. It does take away from E3, but I'm telling you, people are missing the boat on why E3 is still so special. Yes, it's been around forever, and maybe that's the reason why all the general public and the media all swarm into E3, but to find to find out what's going on. But yes, at this point in time, E3 2019 was kind of a little bit of a downer. I, I got that same vibe. I know Douglas Hoibu from Retro City Games, our good friend, he also got that same vibe as well as far as it not standing out in pretty much any way, shape, or form. Everybody seemed to be in a holding pattern. Everybody seemed to be gearing towards E3 2020 and E3 2021 when you have either the new consoles that are on the way or the new console that will be here for E3 2021 and what's coming up for it. We didn't even get to hear any announcements as far as Nintendo didn't clearly say that there were new consoles on the way, but a Wall Street Journal report on where Nintendo is shifting their manufacturing of the Nintendo Switch. It seems pretty much a 100% guarantee that they're going to bring out one, if not possibly two different versions of the Nintendo Switch console. So that's some good signs there. But yes, there was a lot of announcements that were there, but a lot of announcements I wanted to hear as well. And that's every E3 when we go ahead and really evaluate it. There's so much we want to hear that we don't, and there's so much that we don't expect that gets told at E3. You actually were, like I said, out on the floor when you were checking things out, but you also got some behind-the-scenes demonstrations. Take our audience through that process on something like let's say Borderlands 3, and because you, you got special access to a behind-the-scenes, closed-door presentation of Borderlands 3. What is the information that's given to you, and what are the things that are told in something like, let's say, for instance, a Borderlands 3 in a behind-the-scenes, closed-door presentation? It's a lot of stuff that they don't 
tell you during the conference like more specific things so you can go and write about it or talk about it on a podcast like we're doing now for Borderlands 3 I went in there and they gave me a more specific rundown of the the met class right you go in there and they they kind of show you show off what she does and how you can you can still she's she's like a regular character but when you find yourself in a pinch you can press the the left bumper and get into this this giant mech suit and you can use it you're completely overpowered and you just shoot everything. So they showed us kind of what that's like and how the other characters can interact with her. For example, if you're the hunter class, you can get on top of the mech suit and then you guys can combine your specials together to just be this unstoppable force. So they ran us through that and then they ran us through some of the the newer features. Like, for example, if you have a gun that you would like to give to a friend, right? You can go to this locker system and you can send this gun to that specific gamer tag. And when they go to their game, it's there. But also, if you sell a gun in a vending machine, it'll automatically pop up in the vending machine of your friends. So they don't have to go hunting for that weapon. It'll automatically populate itself in their vending machine. And then there is also this thing where if you buy skins, they show up on in the games of other people. So like you only have to buy it once and your friends get access to all this stuff. So it's really cool. They gave us a tour of, of Sanctuary, the, the ship. We got to check out some of the newer environments, see some of the new enemies, how the, the mech class handles like the dinosaurs you got to fight and things like that. It was the art director. So he was sitting there chatting with us about all this stuff. And he showed us a brief video about how your character will interact with some of the older characters, Tiny Tina, different environments. He's going to help you in these environments, things like that. And then he turned the screen off and he's like, all right, now you're free to play the game. So we went outside. They had a couple booths set up for us. So we sat there and you know how in the conference and they showed you fighting the boss, I forget what his name is, but we basically got to play that except there was no loot in any of the loot boxes. It was all ammo. So I played as the mech class and I got to tell you, man, like this is fun, but it plays almost like a call of duty. So it's a lot faster paced. There's more enemies coming after you. There's not really any time to think about what you're doing. So you can run and slide. You can shoot the barrels, the oil, do your thing. Like there's all kinds of destructible things hanging around there. And these areas in there are huge. So you can go anywhere you want to. And there's enemies just all over the place. And your friends games, like they randomly generate their own loot. So you don't have to worry about, hey, I got this weapon and you don't get it. Like it doesn't happen like that anymore. But yeah, man, other than that, like it's your typical Borderlands. I love the vaulting and the sliding, and that's cool. It's a, again, you know, it's a lot faster paced, plays more like a Call of Duty than the old Borderlands games. But yeah, we went in, fought the boss, and the demo ended, and that was it. And so I'm excited, man. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Oh, and also... There's a customization system in there. You know how everyone's complaining how you can't customize your guys? That seems to be the big thing with Borderlands. In this one, it goes far beyond skins. Like, you can buy masks, you can buy costumes. So everything you do is is completely customizable. Like, there are hundreds and hundreds of skins in this game. Not Well, skins and costumes. You have masks, you can wear helmets, you can do whatever you want. There's so many different choices to pick from. So all these people who are complaining 
Borneland seems to change and they can't keep selling me my childhood. Yes, they can. They can keep selling me my childhood and I will pay $60 for it every time that comes out. I'm sorry. That, that was a message from, from me. And, Preach uh, on that soapbox there, sir. Pop Culture Cosmos approves of this message. But yeah, it was cool, man. Can't wait for it to come out. Are you going to pick it up when it comes out? I'm very interested in it. It's something that I am looking at and something I'm thinking about quite seriously. It is something that looks good. The fast pace is there. I was kind of concerned at first. You know, I know that there was a lot of people that were very trepidatious when it came to that first trailer that came out, but it looks like something that a lot of people are going to be happy with. It looks like something that I might be happy with as well. Although, did they go into detail about the microtransactions at all? No, it's mostly the microtransactions are mostly going to be cosmetic things. It's not, there's no, nothing in game that you have to pay to play. It's not going to give you an edge over anyone. It's just going to be the way that things look. It's it's all cosmetic. So it's not, you know, you're not going to be able to buy gun packs or whatever. Maybe they'll do that further down the line, but at launch, there's not going to be anything like that. And that's, that's fine because I don't plan on playing you know competitively that's the whole thing about borderlands like they were even stressing this in the meeting like we want you to be able to play with your friends in any way you want so they can jump into your game or you can just go on hunts together there's a couple different modes that you can play but they're like we just we really stressed how important it is to play co-op on this game and that's great because i'm looking for a great co-op adventure i know you are too and you as a huge borderlands fan i know the monroys have also discussed their love for the series as well so i'm hopeful that borderlands 3 when it comes out this september will be something a lot of people can look towards to as a outstanding game that will take them throughout the rest of 2019 was there anything else behind closed doors that you can tell people that really stood out to you as far as something that you would like to see be talked about more because i know you like you said you were you were at meetings this year at e3 and i know that's goes along with that is some a lot of things that you really really get it uh, you know a lot of information on that i know a lot of people that were either at e3 or, or just are reading the internet doesn't get privy to all the time uh, i played this game over at the uh, i forget whom exceed i think it is it's called sakuna and it is the most satisfying side scroller i've ever played in my life so you're basically you're a rice harvester and you're being invaded by enemy forces and skeletons and stuff like that and i gotta say man like it is a beautiful game it's so simple it's a it's a beautiful game it's simple the combat is so satisfying because you're just swinging a hoe around like you're a you're a rice harvester so you're swinging your your tools around and you're just taking out skeletons and stuff so it was a lot of fun you know as far as behind closed doors stuff goes there i mean 2k was really the only one and we yeah i went over to indicate and they kind of bailed on me i did get to we did talk to the people at project witchstone and that's kind of like a a divinity-esque game the same you know top-down dungeon crawler fantasy game and so that was fun it looks cool you can they're on crowdfunding right now yeah that was fun other than that like sonic the sonic mario olympics was a lot of fun as uh, they had a huge thing set up for that and like there's so many game modes and it's just it's a fun game you can do track and field you can do surfing like there's so many things going on in that game you know and they had sega mini was really cool they they had a couple test systems out for that but other than that man like there really wasn't a lot of big games there to 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 play like last year they had a lot of uh you know far cry and 
Destiny and Spider-Man and stuff like that. But they're just really a lot of like the the places where you could go to play games like they were old games. I don't know, man. I, I, I wanted more. But yeah, those were the ones that stuck out to me. And there's a game also called Keen indie game. I don't know when it comes out, but it's like Commander a, Keen, right? Was it Commander Keen? I think it was just called Keen. But you, it was like a, it's a tactical game where you go and you know you have to you move one one square, the enemies move one square, so you can like charge attacks and do things like that. So you got to be really smart to play it. But it's it was pretty satisfying. I did want to go play Final Fantasy VII, but the line for that was huge, so I did not do that. But other than that, man, that's all I really saw this year at E3, and uh, I wish that there was more there, but there wasn't. Geico had their own gaming booth. I don't know gaming insurance I, I don't know if that's a thing but yeah man it was, it was it was fun i will tell you this you did see something else that you're not telling everybody about and that is the the ultimate arcade from at games you got a chance to go ahead and check that out because i know you had a special meeting with them in regards to that that's something that we actually played along last week's show my interview there at the licensing expo 2019 when they were there that machine moved to E3 2019. I want to get your thoughts on that because also as well, the home arcade market is actually a burgeoning audience. A lot of people going retro. A lot of people are trying to relive their childhood. And the success of Taskmaster's arcade one-up machines, mind you, there's still quality issues with it from time to time. And there's still issues when it comes to the overall perception as far as the controllers and things of that nature have had issues as far as quality is concerned. But you know what? A lot of people are really getting into the fact that people can play not a miniature, but a smaller size version of an arcade machine that they are very familiar with that you can play a Pac-Man, Galaga, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, so many other games in the mix as far as it's concerned. And, And now... This week, Arcade 1-Up, obviously seeing the competition that's on the way with, with At Games and their Legends Ultimate Arcade Machine, and they see that on the horizon that's coming in September, and they really knocked it out of the park, in my opinion, because not only did they introduce a Marvel versus Capcom machine with three different versions of Marvel versus Capcom, but also as well a four-player with four controllers and buttons arcade version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which people really got excited for. That has, I believe, two different versions of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then also as well, the big news that is a when you add the riser to it, almost a full-size version recreation of Star Wars and also Return of the Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back with the flight yoke. And that's going to be something with the riser built in with a special Star Wars design coming just under $500. So that battle is heating up. I know you got a chance to check out the Legends Ultimate Machine. And if you want really a detailed description of what the Legends Ultimate Machine is all about, check out our episode last week on the PCC Multiverse. You'll get a really detailed synopsis of some of the games, some of the features and things of that nature. But this is a machine, $399 or $599, depending on the size that you want, that can give you anywhere from two to 400 games And it also has a Bluetooth capability so that for a price, most likely, you're going to go ahead and be able to download more games. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. You got a chance to test out the most expensive one, the $599 version Legends Ultimate Machine. That comes with the controllers, the whole hub there where you can plug in USB and HDMI, 
plus it comes with the trackball and also as well the spinner on top of all the two controllers and the buttons galore your thoughts on the legends ultimate machine that you got to hear hands on this week at e3 2019 it was cool they walked us through the i guess the what, four pillars they're talking about four pillars of games one was like the the retro games and they have there's there's a lot on there you can play um you know asteroids and things like that because they had the bring your own games which you could be import from your steam accounts and hopefully yeah, well the gog and epic then they had their featured the console and the arcade machines as well so yeah i mean i i did they give you a full list there of the games that are coming to the system because they couldn't provide one for me at licensing expo no they didn't yeah but i mean i would i'm going to talk about it some more here though but they had the yeah the, the four pillars of games the, the steam thing was cool because you can put your own stuff on there and you, the, i love the idea that if you have the right internet connection they're always updating things so who knows like a lot of the stuff that's not on there now could be i was talking to the guy and he wasn't really allowed to say anything but he's like uh we're negotiating with certain game devs uh sega is a, a big one they're trying to get so get sonic and stuff on there I told you Capcom was there actually checking out the unit at the licensing expo. Yeah, yeah. They were chatting with um, some people while I was in the room with it. Dude, the, the meeting was on the 21st floor of the, the Marriott Hotel. And I I hate elevator rides. So that was miserable for me. But uh, the unit itself is cool. And I like how it's you can plug if you have like the, the blast kits, the U- the HDMI or USB dongles, you can plug it in. And all the games that you already own on these blast kits will show up on the thing. And he's he was saying too that they're working on ways to have to incorporate like chat on these on these machines because you can plug in your controller. It's blue it has Bluetooth capabilities. They're trying to work on like Discord, so that's how these gamers play through Steam. And I guess like a lot of the games like like Fortnite and Overwatch and stuff they do translate to the controls, but they're trying to work on getting that more solidified. So you know say a year after launch like it, it could serve as its own console in in a way but you 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 have to stream games because the memory and the processing power on the units itself aren't good enough to let you have steam on the, the thing itself so you have the option of getting on steam but you have to stream it off the internet off a server or wherever you're going we did play metal slug and that was a lot of fun man like i the, the joystick is is whatever we didn't play anything that involves a trackball i know you had an issue with the trackball but uh, no, I actually had an issue with the joystick. The trackball was actually okay. The spinner was okay. I know that was something that a lot of people were concerned about because Arcade 1-Up has not done a great job of those. But the joystick, to me, I really thought was cheap and, and very problematic, and along with the buttons as well. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I thought that they were okay. But then again, you know, I'm, I don't have the arcade experience that you have. Um, Play Burger Time and you'll understand my frustration on that system. So, so we, we played Street Fighter, Metal Slug, and Asteroids. That's all we really dove into. I tried playing a game of Tron. And as you'll see on the video clips I sent you, that was an epic failure just because of control scheme. And in fact, you it, it wasn't programmed to the actual spinner wheel. As far as like for instance with your tank intron it was actually keyed in on your buttons so i'm trying to sit here and trying to angle my my gun with the uh with the buttons and it just was a mess totally so if you get the system make sure you've got everything configured right otherwise it's just going to be a lousy experience yeah yeah i mean it's it's for six hundred dollars though it's not it's not bad man i mean you got to take a look at what you're getting six hundred dollars and something that they're going to keep updating as you go 
and you can play you can play modern games on it like that that's cool not a lot of arcades will do that and it, it's just I, again it's six hundred dollars it's a very good price point for something like that so i'm on board man i might be saving up to get one myself uh, you know and i like that it's a full size cabinet as opposed to the arcade one-up things where you actually have to have a because it was 66 and 46 were the two dimensions, I think, on the two different units. Oh, I don't I don't know for sure. I didn't look. Yeah, at it's 66 stuff, inches and 46 inches. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm it. it's something that is on my radar, but I know you're a little more critical of it. But... I mean, you would have to modify it. Uh, I think that's the probably thing. The first thing I'm going to have to modify, whether I get an arcade one up or I get a Legends Ultimate. Ultimately, what I decide is, because I'm on the fence with either, either has their very great positives, and they also have their very great negatives to it, which for everything I found great with the Legends Ultimate Arcade, I also found two or three things I didn't like. But I did want to say with the Legends Ultimate Arcade, you're right, with the feature of the Bluetooth that you can go ahead and stream games. Plus, it looks like it's something that, you know, if you're an experienced modder, you can go ahead and modify to your specifications, or if you want to use a MAME, or if you want to go ahead and use anything else along with it, you're able to go ahead and get even more games to it and produce it already. And then also you have the fact that you can easily go ahead and get some Sanwa buttons and controllers out there, and they're not too expensive. They're still under $100 for a set like that. So that's not too bad a news. You will have to spend a little bit more, in my opinion, because the controller and the buttons. But then again, you will probably have to do the same thing if you get an arcade one-up, because that's been a major concern for a lot of people, that the controllers and the buttons for the arcade one-ups have not been up to snuff as well. So to me, it's tit for tat. And again, it's whatever you think is best for you. Both systems have their pluses and minuses from what I've seen and the time I've spent on it. But you got to admit, the Star Wars unit that was announced from Arcade 1-Up for $4.99, while it does not play 400 games, the fact that it has the yoke built in and it recreates the experience of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi really makes it very interesting for Star Wars fans that they may not be able to afford to miss. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't read much about the Star Wars system over at Arcade 1-Up, but I'm, I'm hearing... I'm hearing good things. I, I just it seems like I like what at games is doing as opposed to what arcade one up is doing, because at games is, is giving a separate system for each thing, whereas, you know, at games is putting it all on one thing. But then again, I heard that at games is might be getting some I might be getting my press releases mixed up, but isn't at games supposed to get some Star Wars content, too? Yes, they are. Yes, okay. they are. Okay. So, so yes, it actually says it on the console that there was some Star Wars Disney related stuff. Tron, I told you I played on it already. So there is going to be some Star Wars content on it. What it is, I'm not sure. And then the fact is also as well, if you get the lower console, they did hint that you won't be getting some of the games. Again, when it goes from two to four hundred games, most likely they haven't confirmed did they confirm the number of games that are going on each system? No, they did not. There's okay, a lot so, of stuff that they, they said they're going to be announcing the pool list come August or something like that. Well, they have to do by July, seemingly, because that's when they start taking pre-orders. It's in July at atgames.net if yeah. you're interested in it. So Star Wars games are supposed to be a part of the mix. You know, I, I did get some type of conversation that was off the record from individuals, sources that were there at the licensing expo that most likely the Atari games will only be initially on the larger unit 
And if you want any Atari-based games, that'll have to probably be something you'll have to pay for DLC, which, again, if you're interested in it and you're already getting the smaller unit and you're just going to go ahead and buy extra games on it, that's fine. But I would see just going ahead and, and spending the difference be- to get a fuller-sized system. And I will tell you, it was a more solid system than the Arcade 1-Up. So give and take on that. Again, it is your choice. There are both pluses and minuses with each system when it comes to the Arcade 1-Up, which is coming out with a Marvel versus Capcom cabinet, also as well a TMNT cabinet that's four players, which is different from their normal two or one player, and then also the Star Wars coming up later this year. That is something that they said would be a limited edition. How limited? We're going to have to wait and see, but it is very interesting where the home arcade marketplace is going to because we didn't even recognize it this time last year because it was just barely in its infancy and arcade one up was just talking about what they were going to be releasing later in 2018 and it wasn't until really that they got noticed on black friday as, as far as being part of the walmart ad and so many other ads that they really got everybody's interest in getting their units so we'll have to see where the home arcade marketplace goes from here with at games when they finally release their legends ultimate arcade machine and then also the new designs that are coming out to what is already a good lineup from Arcade 1-Up as well. Any last thoughts on E3? Want to wrap this up? And again, a nice tiny bow. I know you're going to be having over the coming weeks, you're going to pop in an interview with Project Witchstone. And then you said you've also got an At Games interview as well coming up. Yeah, yeah. So I'll get that. That stuff will be circulating here soon. And I'm, I'm still popping footage up on YouTube. So check back this weekend. You'll be able to find it on the Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanican Media YouTube pages. And I'm sure some stuff will be going up on Facebook, too. I just got to get my I got to get my act together, man, because it's still topical. So obviously it has to go up before Monday. But, yeah, just keep watching those those outlets. I'm sure you'll have your act together by June of next year. And then it'll be time to go back. Jeez, this is this is adulting. Let me let me tell you, if if you're still in high school or if you're you know an adult who's unable to grow up, it's overrated. So just stay young forever is my advice to you. Sounds like a good plan indeed. Well, if you have any questions for us about E3 2019, or you'd like to comment on what you thought E3 2019 was this year, you can adult all you want when you talk to us. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and like I said, Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about Men in Black. As Men in Black International hits this weekend at the box office, is it going to be the end of the Men in Black series? We're going to talk about if Men in Black is something that needs to be neuralized coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, and we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My friend... Before we head on out, we got to be talking some Men in Black because Men in Black International with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Sorry, it's not a return to Thor Ragnarok. 
It is Men in Black International, and expectations, I'm going to tell you, my friend, are really, really low for this one monetarily. It looks like with all the poor reviews and the fact that it is just being swept under by so many other different projects, it looks like Men in Black International is just going to be something that, in my opinion, like the X-Men that we saw last week in Dark Phoenix, it's just going to be the final stroke as far as knocking off this part of the franchise, and we won't be seeing a Men in Black anytime soon. Uh, okay, so my question to you would be, is this because it's a bad movie, or is this because the non-superhero franchises are starting to go by the wayside because they are not superhero franchises, and the bar has been set far, far too high for these movies? I agree. I think it's the latter. They only want to see Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I think it's unfair because he is a really talented actor. I mean, if you want to see some of his best work with some of his initial theatrical performances, check out the first few minutes of Star Trek, okay? I mean, you've seen Star Trek. You remember his performance as as Jim Kirk's dad in Star Trek. He crashed that ship so well. Yes, he did. But the acting in there, that's what got him basically the, the part of Thor. That's what got him in the running. That's what got him noticed in Hollywood. And that's because it was so good. Now, he did Thor, and he's well-remembered for that. He's tried various roles over the years, and he's outside of maybe the Snow White and the Huntsman, which I don't know you can really give him credit for, because when they tried to put him in his movie without Snow White, it kind of crashed and burned from there. He's just not having any success outside of Ghostbusters. He's not having any success outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to me, that's kind of tragic, simply because the fact that he is a talented actor and he deserves better. But you're right. I think it's a fact that people have so many expectations now when they want to go see something in a franchise. And if it's not something that is weighted as far as a superhero franchise, it doesn't look like it's going to be able to cut the mustard for many of them. But then again, we've seen John Wick. John Wick is now a franchise. That's because it's been portrayed and promoted very well and promoted very wisely. I think a lot of it has to deal with the promotion and the way these things are set up as well. Well, yeah, promoting a movie can help make or break, and sadly can help make or break an actor or actress's career. But just franchises in general, if it is not a Star Wars or superhero franchise, it just it does not work anymore. You know, look at how many Terminator is probably going to have the same thing happen to it that Men in Black is having happen to it. The bar is set too high and what's considered success has been inflated so much that it's it's almost impossible to succeed these days if you don't have a Marvel logo on your film. So I don't necessarily think that Men in Black International is going to be a bad movie or is a bad movie. I think that in the post Avengers Endgame days, Nothing can really survive in the industry anymore unless it makes well over, you know, makes $800 million to a billion dollars. And I don't see it. the last Men in Black didn't do that. And it's just, it's a shame because there's so many gems out there. And Chris Hemsworth especially, like, he's a funny dude. And I'm sure that he could be really funny outside of Thor if he wanted to, but they're not giving him the opportunity. And I'm curious if people are just not going to see the movie and they're planning on watching it when it comes out or if it's truly a bad movie. I haven't read any of the reviews. I don't want to. But do you feel like it's on track to beat Godzilla? Well, as I've told you before, I don't really hold a whole lot of stock in Rotten Tomatoes because that's just telling you what's the percentage of critics are saying it's a good movie. So you and I can say... It's a movie that's, what, a 5.5 out of 10, which technically is a positive movie. That would put us on the positive side as far as percentages are concerned. I go by Metacritic. 
that's to me is one of the ones I actually lean on to the most as far as to get a general synopsis before I go dive in and dig in to what the reviews actually are saying. And Metacritic, I believe, is, has Men in Black International in the 40s. So that tells me right there that there's a lot of people panning this film. And if that's the case, I can see it. You know Why? Because there's, there's just not enough in left in the Men in Black franchise. And I think it's just the fact that right now, Sony wanted so hard to try and go ahead and push something. You saw what happened with Ghostbusters. They tried to go ahead and, and reignite that. They're going to try and do it again with the characters that, that were in it once before that we all know and love, like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver. They're going to go ahead and I think Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, is going to direct that picture. And that's coming out for 2020 release. So we'll see what happens when Sony tries to reboot Ghostbusters again. And we're seeing what they're doing again when it comes to the Men in Black, which was a fading franchise with Men in Black 3. I don't think they got the picture on it. They figured, okay, let's ice this thing for a while after Men in Black 3 and let's go from there. Unfortunately, it's not always working out like that. And I think the choices that Chris Hemsworth is making, and also Tessa Thompson for that matter, they're cashing in on, on their Marvel success. The problem is they're going for projects that are not best suited for their talents. And that to me is a shame. I mean, what did we talk about, what, a couple of months ago when we heard the rumors that Chris Hemsworth is going to be the next Hulk Hogan? I mean, to me, if you're trying to go ahead and break out as a star, as a hit, unless that movie really portrays something that we wouldn't normally expect from a Hulk Hogan movie, I think that Hulk Hogan movie is going to be a bomb. And I already know this because you're probably not going to portray it the way it should be portrayed. So be that as it may, Chris Hemsworth, a great actor, very funny, very good comedian. Rush, I know you liked Rush, like you said. I saw it. I thought it was pretty good as well. But again, it was on such a smaller platform, even though Ron Howard was directing it. Nobody saw it because I don't think anybody really knew about it that it was even out in theaters. So I don't know. It's just the choices I think he's making. But as far as the Men in Black series overall, I think from all intended purposes, once we saw the decline with Men in Black 3 of the interest in the Men in Black series, that should have been a special note to Sony that, hey, we need to go ahead and shut this off for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, as opposed to maybe uh, five or six, and let's just call it a day from there, because it looks like people are just not interested in Men in Black anymore. Yeah, and Sony's numbers have been significantly decreasing over the course of the years. But yeah, man, I just I honestly just think the landscape's changing and less and less people, like you said, if you have an 80-inch television at home, why are you going to go to the movies? And there's not enough reason to go to the movie theaters anymore, especially with the prices and and the time it takes. I wonder if even like the reserve seating has anything to do with it because you you can't just go up to a box office anymore and get a ticket. You have to get your ticket like 2 weeks ahead of time. It, it's just everything's changing so fast and I it's probably like my brother will go and he he only now watches movies out of red box unless it's you know again a star wars or superhero movie so uh, there, there's a lot of convenience factors that are now at play that i think a lot of people don't like but it's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next five to ten years is anyone going to be making movies except for disney you know this is true. We could be talking about one disney movie after another disney movie after another disney wait don't we do that already true we do yeah i mean now disney really does own everything so that's a good point yep it is indeed 
But what are your thoughts out there on the Men in Black series, which Disney does not own yet? Do you think it still has some life in the Men in Black series? Or do you think like we do that the Men in Black franchise as a whole has definitely been neuralized? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. We got some great interviews coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks. Josh, I know you're going to have some stuff also as well coming up from E3 and also Big Dog as well. Are you excited to go ahead and, and carry on with the Pop Culture Cosmos, the PCC Multiverse? Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. You seem so thrilled. No, I'm sorry, man. I'm so tired. Well, then you recover from E3 because E3, I know, blows you away as it does me every year. I go in feeling like I'm 18 and I come out feeling like I'm 100. But you know what? That's just the way it is at E3 every single year. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great day. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, whatever you're in the mood for. If you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find CasterQuest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.